Hey, how you doing? This is Sylvester Stallone. And I'm saying, don't be greedy and lazy. Listen to an elegant weapon with Jason. He's like not mentally irregular, you know? An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 303. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi Ross, Ross Jedi J. And as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. This week on the show, we feature the return of the Toronto Comics Anthology. That's right, the anthology is returning with volume 5, Osgood as Gold. This is the follow-up to volume 4, Young at Heart. Every year we get together with uh, lead editor contributor, writer, mastermind, Mr. Stephen Andrews. We get together with him uh, to have a conversation about the uh, the Kickstarter, which is happening right now. It just began this week, so you should get online, go to Kickstarter, and check out Toronto Comics Anthology, Osgood as Gold, Volume 5. Uh, we met up at the wonderful Sidekick Comic Cafe in Leslieville. Right in the beaches there in beautiful downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we met up for an amazing decaf Americano. And he brought me some new blood. Every year, Stephen brings me some new blood. This year, he brought me Miss Andrea Scott and Julian Apong. New contributors to the anthology this year. They have a very, very cool little story to tell you all about. Uh, Yeah, so we met up at the sidekick. Uh, we had some wonderful beverages and uh, we made some wonderful pot. Uh, so there's not much more to it. Uh, if you've listened to the show on a regular basis uh, for any number of years, you've heard us talk to a vast number of contributors to the Toronto Comics Anthology. It's an absolutely wonderful institution uh, for up-and-comers in a, a really good way to get uh, new voices out there, show the world new uh, Toronto Canadian talent. Uh, also, we speak a little bit about Wayward Sisters, the Wayward Sisters Anthology, which is another project uh, Allison O'Toole is heading up uh, and that is about to arrive so many wonderful wonderful things coming from this incredible group of creators uh, all awesome individuals Uh, yeah and there you go Uh, again a very very special thanks to uh, Chris and the sidekick Uh, we always love having any excuse we can get to get down to the sidekick and you know what's weird every time I go there it's a beautiful sunny day it really is true that it's always sunny at the sidekick Uh, And this sunny day at the sidekick features my conversation with Mr. Stephen Andrews, Andrea Scott, and Julian Apong, the Toronto Comics Anthology Volume 5, Osgood as Gold. Please enjoy. And once again, here we are, nestled in the warm bosom of the sidekick comic cafe in beautiful Leslieville downtown Toronto. I'm here once again with our very good friend, Stephen Andrews. Stephen. Well, good to be here. 
It's always good to have you, my friend. It's been a little while. When was the last time we saw each other? It was probably oh. at the fan days, yeah? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. It was a great show. It was, I yeah. love that show. It's one of my it's favorite one quiet. days of the year, you know? Yeah, it's a good place where you can actually, like, sit down and chat with the other creators. Uh, fan Expo, like, good luck talking to anyone behind a booth. But fan days, yeah, it's pretty casual. It's so festive. That's why that I love it. All the Harley Quinns have their bells on. And all the <laughs> Did dead you see like, the uh, Christmas out. Spawn guy? Yeah, that's yeah. that's my friend Chad, Chad oh, yeah. Park, and he's the guy. If you ever see the spawns, like the hockey spawn oh, yeah. or the cowboy spawn, and he did the Christmas spawn for Santa spawn for this one, and that's he only awesome. does spawn, but he does like various like takes on it. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> the ultimate covers guy. It's amazing. He just uh, he just moved out east actually, so we're gonna miss him. But uh, if you're listening, shout out to Chad. We miss you around here for sure. Okay, um, for anybody unfamiliar. With the Toronto Comics Anthology, we'll give a little brief history, the origin of the situation. Started about five years ago. Uh, 2014, yeah. 2014, uh, it began with what many people who listen to the show are quite familiar with hearing about, and that is the Ty Templeton boot camp. Uh, several of the students got together and had this idea. We had an idea. And you guys got together and you wanted to make this thing. An anthology about pirates. <laughs> was it originally just oh, pirates? Oh, yeah, it was just pirates. Okay, <laughs> sweet. That's awesome. But you guys went to and Ty. And Ty said, no, that's dumb. Yeah, you said, well, he basically said, no, do it yourselves, right? <laughs> like, I just taught you how to do it. Go do it, yeah. no? Uh, but he also told us, like, the theme of pirates was pretty limiting uh, and that Toronto had, like, a lot more opportunities. And so we kind of looked at where, where we lived and decided to make artwork that reflected where we're from. And uh, five years later, your this is the fifth volume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first three are just Toronto Comics Anthology, volumes one, two, and three. Yep. Uh, last year, you switched things up a bit in several ways. We got Toronto Comics Anthology, Young at Heart. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha. There's Americans listening, so I'm going to explain that uh, pretty much the most major street in Toronto is Young Street, which uh, at times is, is debated as the longest street in the world, in fact. I think they broke it somewhere? Well, it, it's uh, Old Highway 11 up yep. there. Uh, it, it used to count as part of Young Street, which uh-huh. meant it went from here like all the way up to Thunder Bay or whatever, <laughs> right? So there's some debate there. Um, this year, uh, you're keeping with that theme, uh, Volume 5, As Good As It Gets. As Good As Gold, my friend. <laughs> Sorry, As Good As Gold. I apologize. Um, which is another major street and area in Toronto. Um, last year, color for the first time. Yep. Uh, this year, you've stuck with color? Yep. Yeah. I feel like uh, Young and Heart was almost kind of a reboot of our line. Kind of like a... a st- sorry. It was us finally getting to what we wanted to do from the very beginning. We kind of understood the craft then, and we could really take it to the next level. And Osgood as Gold is a continuation of that. Now, you've stepped off a lot this year, though, as, as far as editing duties and such, because you've always been the lead editor in the past. Um, and also, so everybody knows, we always have to explain this part, that the Toronto Com- Comics Anthology... Ugh, I'm a little tongue-tied today. <laughs> I think this coffee is whacking me up a bit. Um, the Toronto Comics Anthology is not only by Toronto artists and writers. It is about Toronto. All the stories in there are about the city in some way or are inspired, inspired by, by the it, city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now that that's clear, uh, <laughs> you guys started this anthology. So anything else new this year you're trying with? Because I know as stepping off from lead editor, was that well, difficult to let go a little? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, every year we say that the, uh, there's always some new advantage, there's always some new improvement we make each time. And this year the improvement is that I'm not in it. 
<laughs> you didn't write anything this year? Oh, actually, I did. I did right. sneak in one story. Yeah. Uh, but it's Stephanie Cook running it this year. Yeah. Uh, as well as Megan Purdy and Mikey. Right. Uh, so they're, ta- they're doing a great job running that project. I'm just there to help make sure the publication goes smoothly. Right. And I'm still there making sure that all the stories like match the templates and have all the process right. Right. Um, but we're about training new creators, and so it's also time to start training new editors. Um, Stephanie is a fantastic choice. She's already kind of got a foothold in the field for the city, yeah. Rogue's Portal. Yeah. And uh, She's in that Mark Miller anthology as well. That's right, right. So... Uh, what was your reasoning in deciding to hand things over to Stephanie? Same thing, just uh, did you know her well or was it Yeah, we met a couple or? times. We, we knew each other through the comics community, uh, but also I was just feeling a lot of burnout because running the anthology is very intense. Uh, and at the same time, we were also launching the Wayward Sisters anthology, uh, which is Alison O'Toole's new project. Uh, and I was kind of doing the technical stuff on both those books, managing the, the admin stuff, and it's just so overwhelming that I couldn't do that and run another volume of Toronto Comics Anthology. Uh, so I needed a new team and we handed it over to them. Uh, and it's, it's been good. Well, it was, it, was, it was coming. You could feel it last year. Because you always put so much of yourself into this from the beginning to the end. And I've witnessed it. I've been there at the actual like, introduction meeting to the end. This is and, true, yeah. You know, seeing how much you put into it. So uh, we've talked about it in the past, you know, because it would get to a point where you might want to start doing your own stuff a little more, you know? Yeah, I'm actually working on something with John Burke right now. Right on. Yeah, it's yeah. a little horror. Well, not a, quite, a, quite a horror story. But it's, it's set in Toronto. It has ghosts. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, we're hoping to have that out um, end of the year, December. That's exciting. We got a short 100-page graphic novel. Um, also with Young at Heart, there was a big step up as far as platforms and availability. All of a sudden you started entering the bookstores more. Yeah, so Chapters Indigo things are really good to us. Yeah, that's got to be huge, right? Uh, it's now about 10% of our yearly revenue. Uh, and so, I mean, we make it That's a huge. Lo- yeah. 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 And that allows us to do more projects because we couldn't risk doing two anthologies before. Right. Uh, but now that we have this other revenue stream, now we can take it up a notch and we have more freedom. Is it 10% those bookstores, 10% the shows, and 80% TCAF? Because uh, I know you guys <laughs> pretty much have to walk in there with boxes and boxes <laughs> of books. Why do you think TCAF is so good to you? It's just the relationship between Toronto, Toronto Comics. Um, I think TCAF also has a new audience and they're really hungry for new content. Like. At Fan Expo, I love Fan Expo, I love Fan Days, I love these mainstream shows, uh, but folks are looking for more of the thing they already love. They want to be reinforced in their choices by seeing new things but in an existing line. And at TCAF, people want to see something they've never seen before. Yeah. And so they'll come up to a European creator whose work they've never seen, um, someone from Australia, they've never heard of these books, but they all look fantastic. And they come there with money to spend because there's no one at the gate taking that cash away from them. Because uh, right, TCAF right. is a free show. Yeah, yeah. It's People love the, the free shows. shows. That's why I love Mississauga Comic Expo. Yeah, because great. whenever you see the create, everybody's in the best mood because they have <laughs> no money to make back and they're just there to have a good, all their friends are there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, really? and every little dime is... Jason Lewis doing a fantastic job with that show. An incredible job. I think this year's going to even be bigger and better. I think my best part of that show is the free pizza. Yeah, <laughs> the pizza's good. I got a little <laughs> slice of There's a green room for creators. <laughs> and like, no one else gets a green room for... Like, I've, never been, I've been doing shows for four years. And that's the only show that gives me food and sends someone around like to hand out candy to the exhibitors. Yeah, and that yeah. wins my heart. Yeah, well, he's he's one of them, right? So yeah. you know, he knows He understands how it goes for sure. So every year we've been getting together at different times. Uh, we've talked a lot at the shows. We always chat. You've been on the you've been on the show a lot now. Oh, at yeah. this point, man. <laughs> um, well, I figured it out. Uh, I recently did some stats, uh, and this show, you two, 
Uh, we're going to introduce in one second, but these two creators I'm going to introduce are the 137th and 138th comic creators nice. to appear on An Elegant Weapon. Now, I, you know, we just passed episode 300, so I thought it would be a lot higher. So when you look at it, less than half my episodes feature comic creators, because a lot of those are like Fan Expo episodes, where it's several on one even. And I was like, who the hell else have I talked to, right? So I actually went through the list, and I saw all these old shows I'd forgotten I'd done, and it was amazing. So the 137th comic creator to appear on an Elegant Weapon podcast, Andrea Scott. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Very nice to have you. And I hope I say this right, uh, Julian Apong? That's correct. All right, beautiful. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out. So every year we do get together, and uh, Stephen offers up a couple lambs to the slaughter. And every year, but it's, it's cool, because uh, every time we come here and you have the Toronto Comics uh, socials, which happen here at the Sidekick of, uh, occasionally on Sundays, uh, I've met some amazing people. That's where I met uh, Andrea Fort and Mike Heron. Oh, yeah. Uh, Songs, Songs for, for the Dead. Dead. Was it one of those socials? A comic I'm so in love with. It's an yeah, absolutely uh, amazing. Yeah. It's publishing it now. They right? just picked it up. Yeah. So I, I got that news at Fan Days, and I was very, very excited for them because they're, they're lovely, too. Oh, they totally deserve it. Because they are a couple. Yeah. In fact, who create comic books, which I believe is the same case here. Yep. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that too, because we're stealing her artist. Uh, Sam Beck, the artist for Songs for the Dead. Okay. Uh, she also has a story with us here at Toronto Comics. Really? She's doing something called Mirrored. Okay. It's about uh, underground magical baristas uh, fighting in a war for supremacy underground. It's pretty awesome. That sounds interesting indeed. <laughs> Good God. You guys come up with the craziest stuff. It's insane. It's all sand back for that one. Nice. Uh, Andrea and Julian, which one of you would like to tell us about your involvement in the Toronto Comics Anthology? Well, I mean, Andrea got us involved in this, so I'm going to put her yeah, on the spot like first. Sounds like it's your fault, so it's going to fall on you. So is, this is uh, both your first appearances in the anthology, yep, yes? that's, that's right. correct. Okay, yeah. so how did the anthology come to your attention? Um, I'd known some friends who were in it before, uh, Megan Carter, okay. who does uh, right, a right. webcomic, yep. Podslave. And then, so I saw her talking about it, and then I saw a couple of tweets looking for uh, creators for the anthology. And I, uh, yeah. As easy as that, just yeah. online, eh? Yeah, just signed up and bing, bang, boom. Yeah, we got lucky. So. <laughs> now, uh, were you guys already creating together? Is this something you decided to do together? Is this a one-off? Is this a, a working relationship? How does it work for you guys? Well, it's we've been like thinking about trying to start various comic projects for a long time, so this was a good stepping-off point for us. Uh, there's a lot of like collaborative stuff that we kind of do in terms of we're both in art and design, we both like stories, we both like comics. Uh, so this was kind of like the first real opportunity for, hey, I can focus on just writing stuff, you can just focus on like drawing stuff, and we can put those two things together into like one actual project. Right, right. That's very exciting. That's one of the great things about the anthology is that it provides uh, an outlet for these type of situations, you know? And so many surprising things happen because if you don't, if you, you can go in without an artist or a writer and you guys will pair them up, in fact, right? Oh, yeah. And make the appropriate arrangements and some beautiful be stuff really comes out of it. really hard for a writer who doesn't have money to find an artist the first time. Um, you can throw a rock in a city and find a million people who think they're writers. Right. It's really not hard to find writers. <laughs> yeah. uh, finding artists at an early stage is very challenging. Um, tell me about your story. What's the story that you guys got in there about? Uh, it's about some raccoons who live deep inside of Cumberland Terrace and have a secret stash of Toronto's goods. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's. We have a, a 
two characters uh, who are a pair of girls who are wandering down there trying to figure out like if Cumberland Terrace and that underground there actually connects to the path. It doesn't, but there's <laughs> no amount of people that I've seen who have wandered through that for hours on end trying to figure out how do you get yeah, how, Well, they promised <laughs> yeah. it was going to connect to the path, didn't they? They have several times, and it's like there's a little hallway that leads to the very, very north end of the path oh. that just leads nowhere. Oh, right? <laughs> just so uh, listeners out there know, Toronto kind of has an underground city in a way. Uh, under in the subway areas, there's something called the path. And it's just a large portion of Toronto that was built underground. It's underground malls and stores and pathways and the subways. And you can get to large parts of Toronto from other parts of Toronto without even going outside. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing for a lot of people in the winter and those oh, times. Amazing. So just so people understand what the path is yeah. as we're talking about. It. Are you both Toronto natives? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Brampton born, but in okay. Toronto right. pretty much all my life. Right, so. right. There's always a big difference. I love meeting those Toronto kids. The ones who were like born and bred and raised here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, tr- the true Degrassi kids, you know what I mean? There's not that many of them, really. Like, no, there's not at all. Very, very few people would just... I guess stayed through the 90s especially, right? There was a lot of kind of people kind of running out of the city. So meeting someone who was just born, raised, did everything here, not from yeah. one of the suburbs or surrounding areas, it's a little rare. Yeah. It's cool because, I mean, one of the cool things about doing this show is to kind of unite the clans because there's all these little, like, segments. There's a Brampton crew and an Oakville crew and a Saga crew and the Toronto crew and the Scarborough crew. Durham. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's awesome because as the days seem to go on here and... Uh, things change because of Comic-Cons and shows and so many opportunities that these little cliques are coming together, especially because of things like the anthology, right, and TCAF. There's lots of little community projects here. It's always cool to see them coming together. Well, I, I t- we talk about all the time how spoiled we are to live in this area. Yeah. I mean, as yeah, far as, definitely. yeah, like, you know, the, the, the educational opportunities, the arts, just the galleries, everything yeah. going on. Uh, what's a bit about your guys' tale? Did you guys go to school? How did you get into comic creating or art? Or um, I went to OCAD first okay. for fine art and painting. Right on. Um, and then after that, I went to Max the Mutt for their concept art. Oh, program. cool. You didn't... Uh, uh, did Dave? Were you in any of uh, Dave's classes? Dave Ross? Yes. Oh, Dave he's Ross amazing. Oh, we Best love Dave. Perspective teacher. Was that good? Yeah, yes, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, that book he did, his textbook, oh, it's, it's incredible. Even for novices. Uh, Dave Ross, um, I came to Dave Ross as it's, uh, he is. He came to my attention through the Star Wars comics. Him and Mark McKenna did a bunch of the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. Yeah, and that's how I discovered him and then found out he lived around here and he's at every show. And I love talking to him about Max the Mutt and, you know, because we hear tons about Ty. Mm-hmm. on this show like like 80% of the people on this show have gone through the boot camp but, but we don't get tons of Max the Mutters wasn't you know? Ty at Max the Mutt for a while? he was he was yeah. Yeah. yeah way back in the day so that's cool so you just kind of went through that and did your thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then just slowly started getting more and more into illustration back okay. then like the fine art stuff so. right right I love yeah. to hear that Got enough fine artists. Julian, what's yeah. your story, man? Uh, it's kind of the same for me. Actually, I also went to OCAD and went there for illustration, but Andrea and I actually went at different times. We didn't actually meet at OCAD. We ended up meeting <laughs> later on after that. Uh, but I went to OCAD, did my degree in illustration, and then found that I was actually getting more and more jobs for graphic design stuff, which then took me into web design, which then kind of took me almost completely away from 
like actually drawing things. So I started getting more into the writing stuff because before I was at OCAD for illustration, I was at Waterloo for political science. Um, and that ended up with me working at the newspaper, the student newspaper there, uh, and actually taking on some editorial kind of duties there. So I was doing their graphic design and art stuff there as well. Uh, and that was kind of a roundabout way of just getting introduced to, hey, here's how you do layout stuff. Here's how you do um, text on a page in general places. Okay, now this interests me because you both came up as artists. Yeah. And you're doing the art, yep. Andrea, for the story. Mm-hmm. And Julian, you're doing the writing. Yeah. Is that difficult when you do have that art history and you've done the writing and she does her part of the whole thing? Are there times where you're like, ah, I want it to kind of look more that way? Or do you guys have a nice meld of understanding? No, he's like a good pair of second eyes. Like if I'm stuck on a panel or I don't like the colors, I can get a good second opinion. Okay, so it yeah. works for you guys. Yeah. yeah. And it helps to have, like, even though I like to just here's the writing, here's the description for the panel, and we're going to kind of, after that, my hands are kind of away from it. It's still good to have the background to explain, no, this is what I think, this is what I see when I wrote this out, right? Right. If the writing is unclear, then we can still kind of talk to each other and work out, oh, this is supposed to, we want this character on the left so that we can kind of do a shot reverse shot for the next panel. Okay. Uh, So it helps to... One that we kind of live together, that we know each other, right? And then we can kind of talk about this work. So right you guys ever worked it. with anybody else? You ever done anything that you've dabbled your feet in? Even um, anything I we may did, not um, I did have some been published. For, okay. Um, Jill Trent comics. Okay, right on. So I did some of that, and uh, most of my other stuff work has been like art shows and. Uh, right. Illustration. So most of your comic making experience is with each other. You're kind of going through this <laughs> yep. learning process together, which is cool. Up, I do. I have an art show coming up on the seventh at Steam Whistle. Really? Yeah. At Steam Whistle, they yeah. do art shows. They do. I didn't know that. One a month. Wow. Yeah. Just uh, how did how. I never heard it. So how did you hear about that? So much cool stuff. You don't even know it. Well, it is. You know, I used to feel bad when I started the show. And, you know, got into it. And you meet a lot of people out there, other people who do other shows, our good friend Aaron Broverman, guys like Sam Noir, guys who are encyclopedic knowledge of the history of Toronto comics, pretty much all comics in general. And I've talked to so many people, and you forget, and there's so many people you haven't heard of, and you feel bad because you feel like you're supposed to be, you know, kind of representing. It got to a point where I had to be like, okay, you know what, look, I'm going to go with the attitude that I know nobody, just all the time. You're like, oh, Jay, you know so many people. I'm like, no, trust me. There are so many out there that we still don't know or haven't heard of, you know, so. So you've been doing that art show for a while? Um, this is the third one I've done. Um, last year, me and the another girl, Elise Glover, she does. She's another artist who um, I work with there. Um, we both got married last year, so we decided that was too much to do an art show and get married. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this year's show is uh, heroines. So oh, nice. yeah, we're doing female figures in pop culture. Show. How did you hear about the Steam Whistle show? Um, Elise, my friend, heard about it. Okay. So she um, put together a proposal and got together a group of artists because we all used to work together at um, Above Ground Art Supplies. Right. Okay. Yeah, so. I like to see the mixing more because, you know, I'm a big fan of painted comics in general in any way. I just absolutely love it. Things like Neon Black and Fourth Planet, you know, those sci-fi. I'm a big sci-fi books who have those looks. So the more I, I hear of the fine illustrators who are starting to dip their toes into this community... It just up 
helps the comic so much, you know, and I think it also opens up what they do as far as being able to tell a story more than just through one kind of painting, oh, right? Sure. So I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's happening a lot around everywhere too, Michigan and, you know, stuff like that. So let's get back to your raccoon story. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired this? <laughs> I mean, some of it is just, have you been to Cumberland Terrace? Because Okay, explain exactly, yeah. Talk about Cumberland Terrace, because I'm not so, super familiar. Right by Yorkville, kind of the upscale, bougiest kind of downtown neighborhood that there is. Uh, there is a uh, Lacoste, the store. There's Calvin Klein, the store, Holt Renfrew, and all these very, very high-end stores. And as soon as you get away from those, right, just like it's one set of doors and down a flight of stairs, you're in Cumberland Terrace. And Cumberland Terrace, I don't think, has had any renovations since... I think the 70s, probably. Uh, so there is an old uh, food court there that has just every off-brand possible thing of, like, here's Southland Barbecue and Gator Bites and, like, Burger Queen and uh, all kind of hidden down there, as well as just a bunch of shops. And the first time I came down there, I was walking around. There was a store that was just, like, it had um, art prints in it. Right, various types, and some of them were actually okay. Some of them were just kind of regular decorator art, with n no actual attendant in the store. So I just walked in, looked around, was like, "Could I give someone money for anything?" And there was no one there. Right, the person had literally just left because there was no one else in this underground mall. Uh, yeah, all the clothes shops looks like clothes from the eighties and yeah, things that have never been updated. There's a couple of toy stores and stuff in there too, uh, where again people can just. There's not enough traffic during the day. So it's a weird kind of relic of Toronto's history that hasn't been updated. And I think they're just now kind of planning like a multi... There's a lot of that in this city. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. There's going to be some kind of renovation there that's probably somewhere in the billions of dollars. Uh, but for the time being, it is a weird place to wander around and... Uh, dead ends. Yeah. Going down there and just kind of looking around because... There's a lower Cumberland Terrace as well beneath like the regular one, and that's just stairs down to maintenance areas. So in one of my quests to be like, oh, I think this connects to the path, I just kind of took a flight of stairs downstairs, and it was in a utility hallway that went nowhere and was just like, oh, this is a weird... I don't think anyone's ever been here before. Like, I don't think... Uh, I kind of want to visit the place No one has laid eyes on yeah. this since it was built. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, right. pretty much. Um... So yeah, we, like I've dragged Andrea down there before and we've kind of t poked around trying to find things. How was that? Hey baby, come on down and check out this, <laughs> this back-end alley. <laughs> it goes nowhere. Great date. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've had, we had a bunch of those and that kind of inspired like what we wanted to do with the comic of what could be down here, right? Yeah. And obviously the things that are down there are raccoons who have stolen all of Toronto's best stuff, right? And kind of just hidden it away in their so little So give thing. me some examples. Like, what do you mean by stuff? Um, I mean, like, they have our lost Stanley Cup winning hockey team 
somewhere down there. We don't have one here. We haven't for a while, but there's somewhere down there there is one. As well as affordable rental housing, uh, Bombardier's lost streetcars, passes to TIFF, right? Like everything you'd want to get your hands on is that should be in the city is down there somewhere. And That's these great. raccoons know where to find it. That's great. There's something special about the relationship between raccoons. And the, it seems like every year there's a raccoon story in there, isn't there? I'm doing my best to make like a, the trash panda the icon of Toronto. It pretty much. It's kind of that point. Well, yeah. especially last was it last year, the year before. You know, the dead raccoon. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's funny you should mention that. I'll show you a piece of art in a little bit. Okay. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Lots but of. Even uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they had a trash panda. Yes, 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 true. Trash yeah, yeah, they did. They did call him that. Wasn't that great? <laughs> that was good times. Well, that sounds like fun. So, like, can you, can you give us any like without spoiling too much? Is there like a plot to it? Is it or is it? Very it's, lighthearted. It's a very lighthearted, yeah. right? Okay. Like I think this is very much kind of a one and done comic. We're not probably gonna go back and revisit this concept again. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's just like a it's a fun six pager um, to kind of introduce people to the concept and have some fun with a space that they might not have been before in the city. But there's a lot of those, right? Like there's uh, there's Galleria Mall on the west end of the city, which again I think is being scheduled for demolition. But if no one's been there, I would suggest if you want to take a like a little time capsule back to just kind of an abandoned mall that no one really goes to anymore. Go to Galleria Mall. That's right. just uh, oh, yeah. down. Oh yeah. You know, uh, Anthony Bourdain, he has that show Layover. You ever heard of this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd never heard of it. And then I was in the States and my, my friend had his US Netflix on and they had the whole show. And I was like, oh my God, I think you can get it here now on our Netflix. But I'd never heard of it. And there was an episode in Toronto. We we're like, we're watching this. And it starts off with him describing Toronto in the worst way. He's like, this is Toronto. This is an ugly city. And it's all just glass and concrete skyscrapers, you know, old school architects, trends that haven't been around, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what is this, right? And he's like, but when you find the pockets and you find those special places, there's no city like this as far as its multiculturalism. And he went to the weirdest little spots, like little restaurants and the backs of houses, like booze cans from like the 90s I haven't heard of, you know? <laughs> um, but that's something about Toronto is I do think we have a serious problem with holding on to the past. It's always rip it down and, and build something new, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think when Maple Leaf Gardens went down, that was a real big blow. I know it's still there, but I mean, it's like a lot. Yeah. Place, it's hollow. It? It's, yeah. 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 You know, and the way we so flippantly, like they're changing the ACC's name again. What's no, it? Uh, yeah. Uh, who bought it? It's... Uh, <coughs> Another one of the big ones. See, it's such like one of those big names. I can't even Fido. think of it. it. No, it's. Oh, uh, actually, wait. Is it Bell? Yes. Yeah. It might be oh, Bell. Really? Yeah, I, I think we have the Rogers Center and Bell Center right next oh. to each other. Oh. Yeah, it's just it's you know we're losing a touch of this. So you know I think stories like this are important that find those shed light on these little areas and such. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the honest Ed is just like it's oh. just gone. Man. Yeah. It so sad. It's yeah. literally just like a pavement walk now yeah, yeah. there's a place uh, there's a place in Michigan called Grand Rapids tree oh, yeah. Grand Rapids Michigan and they have very strict laws about you know tearing down buildings and heritage and stuff and like yeah. the entire town at least the facade looks just as it did like 200 years ago wow. and I don't understand why we don't do more of that here like yeah. they do certain I think districts the developers have a lot of power here. Oh, oh definitely. Crazy. The distillery district, like areas like that that are held on to, they look so beautiful when they're yeah. taken care of. But yeah. you know, 
What can you do? Well, I mean, in Amsterdam, uh, they have all the facades left intact. They have the rules that, like, the front of the building can't be changed for historical right. reasons, but behind that could be a Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we seem to have no rules here. It's like, yeah. you know. Just... Well, I was walking down College Street last year, and there's a, a beautiful, ornate building there. Uh, it was going to be declared a, a heritage monument, as it would have been protected. And when the developer found out that it was going to be voted on as a heritage monument, uh, they rushed people over to destroy it that night. They had people there working at midnight tearing down the facade. Wow. What a world. What a world. <laughs> and then uh, who's going to protect the building? It's already gone. There's nothing to preserve. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. And it'll they be were... uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, too. Oh, oh boy. That's course, just what we need. Yeah, yeah. More shoppers. I stopped at a, one of those on routes the other day on the highway, and there's literally a Tim Hortons on one side and a Starbucks on the other. And I was yeah. like, is that a choice we really need? That <laughs> like, dude, we could go with the one coffee shop. You know yeah. what I mean? So now that you guys have tasted this little endeavor and tasted what it feels like to create a story like this, what thoughts of the future? Where do you guys think you go from here? Uh, we have a webcomic that we are probably going to start working on. I mean, that's everyone has a webcomic that they're yeah. probably going to start working on soon. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but the good thing about being able to work on the anthology especially was just, here is a very short story, right? You get your, your six to ten pages pretty much to work on something. And you need to keep it concise and you need to keep it manageable and you need to limit your ambition. Because if I'm just left to my own devices, I want to write, I want to be, oh, I'm George R. R. Martin. <laughs> and here's a thousand characters and 18 books and whatever else. And that doesn't help you actually start writing. It doesn't help you start making something right away. It just means you just plan and world build and right. kind of yeah. go in circles for a while. So it's it's nice to have just a smaller project. And that's kind of what we want to work on next is here is just a... Yeah, more of a building block when we hit the uh, thousand-page epic levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here is a small episodic type thing where it's just... You could write a standalone story. It doesn't have to connect to anything else. You don't have to worry about a whole world or anything else. Just nice short stories that right. you can kind of have fun so with. So you guys learned a lot from this process, it kind of sounds like. You know, yeah, well, no, it helped focus things and make things clearer about how this sure. works. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it's a good project to you know start off a good working relationship with each right. other. Yeah. And you feel yeah. inspired by this, I'm sure. Like, yes. You know, enthusiastic. Let's put a little, you know, jump in your step to do more. So tell me about this webcomic. Pitch it. Uh, oh. So the idea that we have is for a comic called Hyperspice Kitchen. Go uh, on, I'm sold. <laughs> and it is a story of a woman who used to work. Uh, she used to work on a terrestrial Earth kitchen, very very normal, um, and finally got the, the funds to buy her own restaurant after saving up for a long time. But then some aliens accidentally crash-landed on top of her restaurant, right, trying to get themselves some of her food, which they had kind of used their long-distance telescope to kind of sniff out. Uh, and after destroying her restaurant, they figured the only thing that they could do to make it up to her was offer her the chance to have her own restaurant on this interstellar, intergalactic, interdimensional uh, kind of castle where she'd be the, the maitre d' and restaurateur. Uh, so, yeah, she's taking over this space kitchen and will be the kind of head chef there along with her son and daughter, and they're going to have adventures in the stars. That sounds so. fun. So are you of a comedic mind? Where does your writing usually tend to lead you? Uh, I generally do enjoy comedy. Like, the... I find that it's 
more difficult to write, but more rewarding to do. And it stops you from, again, going into excess. It okay. stops you from having to be like, oh, I'm not going to write a a multi-volume, thousand-character comedy series, right? If I'm writing comedy stuff, I want it to be short and to the point, and I want to move on from these jokes because I want to tell some new jokes. Right. So it helps that you have a setting where it's like you can change what the background is without having to worry about it too much. You can change what the genre is sometimes and just say, hey, for this particular issue, because we're doing uh, this is an interdimensional type thing, we can do... A Western theme instead of a fantasy theme or sure. sci-fi or whatever. And you can right. breach between different things fairly easily. Right. Which is another great thing about the anthology. You guys got a little bit of everything in there. You know? So Trump's becoming this like foodie culture. It's becoming like a centerpiece of like fine dining cuisines. That totally fits in here. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that we love about it is just like you can do these takes on different restaurant styles. You can do these takes on even like different food and cultures and stuff like that. And I have all of it take place inside of just one kind of short comic uh, so that you can explore different things and just be like, what is this? What is the feel of a taste, right? Right, right. Interesting. And you can play with different things. Like maybe something that, you know, tastes a different way to an alien than it tastes to us, you know? So oh, yeah. maybe we find disgusting. Some other species out there thinks is like, you know, some kind of gourmet <laughs> creme de la creme type shit, right? I, I ordered bronze shavings on this. Where's the bronze shavings? Yeah. Hungry <laughs> answer. It's like, do y'all watch uh, Star Trek Discovery at all? Oh, not yet, but. Yeah, minor spoiler. But uh, the, our crew, our hero, gets sent to a multi, like an alternate universe of our universe. And in that multi-universe, the species that is her captain in the usual universe are food oh, no. in the other universe. <laughs> oh, so no. she's got to sit down at the table and eat pieces of the species that is her captain back on the ship, oh, right? God. And, That's yeah, pretty awful. And her, oh, you know that you saw the scene I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, I know the mirror universe, so it's kind of okay, it, it's yeah. been played into that, yeah. But Saru, and stuff. yeah, and you know the little tentacles that come out of his uh, head—they're like a delicacy. So she's got to eat them at the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what if they're delicious? They could be. Yeah. <laughs> I love stories like that, and I love when you have fun. Uh, there's a book called Salvagers by Bob Sally out of Boston. And it's, uh, it's kind of a Star Wars-y book. So he won't mind me saying that because he's a huge Star Wars fan. It's definitely Star Wars inspired. But it's about the guys who clean up the wars. So they're a crew of guys who go out and they do all the junking and salvage all the pieces. Yep. And they're like the janitors of the universe, right? And uh, there's an offshoot to it called the Starlight Tavern, which is like stories like you're saying, like just little one-off stories that happen in this little space tavern on like an asteroid. And I love that kind of stuff when you can, you know, play and juxtapose, which they do in the movies a lot now, too. Yeah. You know, they're trying to make Star Wars funnier. The last, yeah. You know, like, a few things I didn't think flew in The Last Jedi, but, you know, there's some funny stuff. So, <laughs> um, Are we ever going to see a, t uh, a return of, uh, I'm blanking on the name, your guy in your story, the Viking. The oh, with the Barbarian. Turok? 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 Uh, no, Turok. Oh, what was it? I think it was Kurok? Oh, God. I wrote this story. <laughs> yeah, we're both playing. Yeah, it was something about Toronto. Yeah, Toronto it was like a little Canadian barbarian. Yeah, yeah. I figured the Canadian... What are you going to do? Uh, Kunik. It's Kunik. Weren't you going to do something more with that? Yeah, I'm still thinking about some, some things I want to do with Ali on that, the artist for that one. Ali Kolthoff right. drew it. Did a fantastic okay. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I want to kind of flesh out that universe. Um, for those who haven't read the story, it's a little short uh, Conan parody, Conan set in Toronto. 
Uh, but I figured the Canadian color would be way nicer. <laughs> uh, it's a story about him and his uh, his thief sidekick going out to rob the evil Lord Torontok, who is the wizard who rules Toronto. Okay, yeah. yes. Torontok. Uh, in place of, in the t- rather than t- the TTC, the subway is actually chain dragons. Yeah, yeah. Like in there is, and Quidditch yeah. comes to free the dragons because he's half dragon on his mother's side. That's fantastic, <laughs> man. It's great stuff. Great stuff. Um, let's 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 try to think of some interesting facts. About the Toronto Comics Anthology. Uh, well, Who? we've got almost a thousand pages of oh, it now. We're ready to go. He's, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I've written marketing like copy for weeks now. Okay, hold on. Let me, I'm trying, I've, I thought of one earlier. I was like, okay, how many people in this volume are return contributors? Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, I'd say maybe a third. That many? Yeah, we've yeah. had a lot of newcomers in this one. Okay. Which is great. We always like to, to see yeah. new folks. Yeah. Um, what's the difference from volume to volume as far as ratios of new people that you're getting in like is every year at least half the book people that haven't been yeah, there at I'd all say in any like, of the volumes the first three volumes had a pretty similar crew uh, with Young and Heart we really kind of went wide because yeah. we had enough success that we could just pull in this, this much larger audience of creators who were interested in being part of it yeah yeah it's great because it gives so many you know people who wouldn't think they have a chance at something this awesome the chance you know how did you guys feel when you applied were you like like hope hope or you're like i'm pretty sure our thing's good enough or were you like no way they'll pick us like where were you feeling well we knew there was like so many people applying for it so for me i was like a little nervous that we wouldn't get it yeah it was definitely a pleasant surprise to just kind of find out hey you can get your work in here and that it's not uh it's not just a closed group right because it's like i guess we know some of the toronto comics community right Mm -hmm. mainly andrea is kind of a lot like well, I went to school with a whole bunch of them at Maximut, so... Yeah, right, right. Yeah. right. Uh, so, I was not that familiar with, like, the, the who's who, who runs what. I know some comic creators, but only from the lens of, oh, you're a fan of these people's works. Uh, so getting to make something, right, that's going up in TCAF, and you, gotta, you get to see it go out there, that's really exciting of just, hey... There's opportunities for everyone, and kind of everyone can contribute and be part of this world. It's really exciting. The anthology, they give you a little taste, and then more comics come out of this. It's great. It's actually what you say there about uh, it being a closed group or not. And that was actually one of the things we struggled with at the beginning. Um, because some folks were in the first book and the second one felt that it should be a, a collective. It should be that set of folks. So it's going to be pretty much invite only. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I didn't entirely agree with that because I felt we should do we should be welcoming as much as possible. It shouldn't just be the folks that I knew. It should be the best voices in Toronto that we can find. Uh, and not to put down any of the folks who were listening to earlier books, because they're all fantastic people who will do amazing comics themselves. Um, but I didn't want to make it a case of like, oh, who knows Steven? Oh, who knows so-and-so? Right. Uh, I want it to be about like, who has an interesting voice that we haven't seen before? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's coming at it from a different perspective? Uh, who's Toronto is a Toronto I haven't seen, but is also equally valid. Absolutely. And you guys have always been great for things like transparency. I mean, one great thing about it is if you do follow the anthology online, you're very open about everything from the expenses to shows. You lay things out. And people can see how this entire process works. So going with new people, it really fits the philosophy kind of that you started with in the beginning of... This is an open educational process, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we started to learn how to make comics, and we want other people to do learn the same. Right, right, I mean, right. The, like, comics can be competitive, um, but I don't think that anthologies have to be. I don't think that our space should be. 
I think, like, I want other amazing, successful anthologies out there uh, so that I can steal their creators and their editors. Uh, and <laughs> well, <laughs> let's slow down right now because you guys have finally come over that crest uh, of that wave where maybe three years ago we had a serious influx of anthologies going on. Maybe three, four years ago, I think there was like five that came out in the one year. I think there was, what was there, Strange Romance, Toronto Comics, Hogtown Horror. Uh, Where is Home, I think? There was like, there was a bunch. Uh, Raid, the oh, Raid yeah, anthology yeah. came out, so it's been crazy. But you know, you guys have had this nice steady building thing. And, and like I said at the beginning of the convo, it's it's cool with the shops and chapters and Indigo and CBC. Talk about the CBC, what happened there? Uh, yeah, uh, every year we send out a press release just before we launch our Kickstarter, which is live right now, which you should back at torontocomicsanthology.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, we send out a press release to all the news folks, which, and as well to traditional media, to CBC, Toronto Star, uh, Toronto Guardian, all those folks. Uh, we've always sent them out, and they haven't generally replied, or they've said, like, oh, that's interesting, maybe in the future. Uh, but this year, we actually got real interest. Right, right. Uh, I sent out a package to the CBC, uh, and the same day, they called me back, and they said, hey, we want to see more. Uh, send us a copy of the book. Uh, send us some creator names. We want to interview folks. Right. Um, and same with Toronto Star, like, that's the same cool. day. Yeah. And so we sent them off to a whole bunch of our other creators. I think I've worked with press enough, uh, thanks to Jason and everyone else here. Yeah. Um, that I kind of know how to be a good help to journalists. Yes. That I know to like give the info they need and then get out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're uh, good because you always send me new blood, which is something that's great. And see, there's there's a, there's a good and a bad thing. There's there's become this little podcast circuit. There's an absolute like comic book podcast circuit now, where when people want to promote their Kickstarter, their new book, they do like these five or six shows that I'm you know privileged to be one of usually, and. I'll think about it sometimes, and then I'll do a talk talk with somebody, put it up, and then that week, like five other talks with the same people yep. will drop, right? And the great yeah. thing about you and the anthology is that every, I always get new blood, as I say. I'm always meeting people, you know, that I haven't talked to before, which is the way I prefer it, you know? And uh, it's, it's hard, you know? You want your episodes to stick out, but it, it's cool that there's this circuit to do, yet as on the podcasting side, as the podcaster... You know, you feel, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to be part of this circuit, you know, because yeah, you want to be this thing on its own, right? right. I was so. to uh, Derek Becker a little while back. I think you know him, right? Oh, yes. A yeah. very good friend of mine. Uh, he was saying that, like, um, he's looked at the numbers of all of his podcasts. He's a very metrics-focused guy, which oh, yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and seeing his, his uh, podcasts that are purely promotional for one project are often the least listened to. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have... Like, who wants to listen to an infomercial? Yeah, It's just absolutely. not exciting. Yeah, oh, yeah. you got to have people. People, like, audiences care about people, yeah. and they want to connect to a creator. Yeah. And the luxury of an anthology is you have so many cool creators to work with. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, like, I can dispatch folks to other projects and always have someone new to talk to. And something new to share about the book. Yeah, it's amazing. That's uh, Comic Pros and Cons, if anybody wants to check it out. I think he's talking uh, to Sean Becker. Daly. Uh, Sean will be on there. We'll see this. Sean Daly. Yeah. Sean Daly. You brought him up. I just want everyone out there listening, before we go on talking about the Daly, that Stephen just brought him up, not me. Okay, I get a lot of sleep. You guys heard of Sean Daly? Have you guys heard of Sean Daly? I get a lot of flack for this. Uh, Sean is an artist who used to be a musician. When I started this show seven years ago, he decided to give up music and get into comics. Okay. He's never drawn before, never did anything. He's just crazy. Okay. Now at this point, he's gotten to be one of Toronto's favorite artists. This guy's phenomenal. He's incredible. 
and he's been one of the guys who you know looks a little bigger than a certain community like this is the top of the top if you want to be involved in one city's community a lot of guys are realizing you got to get out there now right so he started to dip his you know his toe in other waters going to philly and he's going to be at motor city this year and he's been scooped up as I was telling everybody in this city, they needed to bloody well do. He's been in the anthology several times. Yeah, yeah he's got a story with us this uh, year as well. He has been scooped up by Source Point Press. Nice. Uh, and he is going to be doing a book called Ogre with Bob Sally, who oh, nice. I just mentioned of the yeah. Salvagers from Boston. So that is going to be his uh, Source Point debut. Uh, awesome. Very, very excited. Uh, of course, he's the artist and writer behind Terraquil. Yep. Uh, Samurai Grandpa is going to be and coming like out. A baby themed thing as well. A baby theme thing? I swear there's something else he's doing. No, uh, uh, he always has a bunch on the go, but he's doing Samurai Grandpa with Eastern Diverna, and that's going to be coming out. But anyways, why did he come up? Because you brought him up. Right, yeah, because I've dispatched him some other podcasts. Yes, and you know, he's good for that, and he's great for that. So I came up with him, and I, I tend to, he comes up a lot on the show, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Ago, yep. And I'm a big fan, so I take a lot of flack for it. So that's why I needed to be clear. But, uh, yeah, he's been in two or three volumes. Uh, the past two? Oh, God, I, I've made these books. He was definitely in Young at Heart. Yes. I think he was in one before that as well. The one, Well, it wasn't the last one, but the one before. He, he worked with Stephanie Cook. Yeah. On Is that the squirrel one? The one with the squirrel in it and the old man? Oh, that's that, no, yeah, that was his own one. That, that was, was a tearjerker. Yeah, it was great. That one was like... A little time travel squirrel. Like you wouldn't think something so yeah. silly would get you, but it yeah, does. Yeah, but it gets you. It's unbelievable. All That's right, so what, the deal yeah. is, uh, it's Bellwoods Park. Uh, a time traveler and her pet-talking squirrel pop up into this place. They've just taken like a wild jump. Uh, they have no idea where they are, and they're looking at Toronto with new eyes. They're like, oh, the CN Tower, that's where the city's king must live. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, but the squirrel has no idea that there are other kinds of squirrels out there. He thinks he's the only one. Oh, okay. And so he sees, for the first time, in Belle Woods, like another albino squirrel. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, I have family. Yeah. There are these other people. Um, but the time jump, like their portal device is cycling up again, and his friend needs to keep going home to find her way home. And he's like, well, do I, do I leave and find oh. family? Uh, or do I go with the family I already have? Yeah, it's... Oh, that sounds really sweet. <laughs> he is a sweetheart. We often say he's too polite and nice even for a Canadian. Like, oh, that's like, impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sean's shit. Um, a home country with Stephanie Cook in the netbook after that. That's right. Yeah, yeah which is yeah. also a true story about her family. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, then he's working with Aaron Feldman in this year's he's book. He's so much. Yeah. Yep. So much. Oh, God. I, crazy. I talked to him about like maybe commissioning a book from him at one stage. Yeah. Uh, he just casually drops like, oh, yeah, I draw 50 pages a month. Crazy. He's got, oh he's got stat. He watercolors, right? Oh, okay. And he's got these little square, like ripped pages that he likes the watercolor on, and just stacks and stacks and yeah. stacks. He brings them to the show, two two bucks each. Like he used to give them away for free until we <laughs> yelled at him and he'd be like, no, please don't, please sell your work, Sean. And he feels bad selling his work. It's unbelievable. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you know he's got out there, and uh, guys like uh, like Shay, A. Shay Han, yeah. who has never done the anthology. No, I don't he tried think. a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he wants know. to do his own thing, and I respect that. Well, he's starting to branch out more too. He's going to be writing a book uh, or drawing a book with Bob Sally as well. Nice. This one's uh, Kaiju's and Monsters. That's definitely up his which line. Which is completely up his line. But I'm loving to see this because you know my show's been able to provide a platform for people to hear about and meet each other. Best example this year was Morte by Dave Bishop and uh, Kevin Joseph. Right, right. Dave Bishop is a Toronto creator of Stone and Stranger, and yes, he's been in the book as well, right? Um, 
he did a new book called, uh, it's a one shot from Source Point called Morte with Kevin Joseph out of Florida. He does a book called Tart. It's one of my most favorite comics of all time. It's an incredible comic book. Um, Kevin heard Dave on the show and was like, I like this guy's mentality. Checked out his work and was like, this is the guy. And now Morte exists. That's awesome. And it's like things well, because of anthologies really and podcasts and, you know, it's uniting the clans, as I said, right? So Good to bring people together. Yeah, well, I just want to say you guys uh, have to take a few more advantage of You haven't had a social in a while, though, have you? No, unfortunately, I've just been overwhelmed. I got to, it's, it's some technical stuff and organizing every month. Sure. Well, uh, wasn't the point for you to step back a little this year? I know, but it's hard to get them to organize these it's things. It's like a one-man promo <laughs> machine, and it's yeah. unbelievable. I'm at that unfortunate stage where I have so many projects, I need, like, uh, an assistant, but assistants cost money. Yes. Uh, oh, so God. maybe next year I'm going to find actually you. afford an assistant to be yeah. able to just really take off. I got an 18-year-old daughter who doesn't have any plans really this summer yet. And I'm kind of, I'm literally like, I may just pay her to start doing like the assistant type stuff I need to do. But I'm gonna get a job. No, I need you here, okay? Your job is to, is to be my assistant. That's how close, you know? But it's great that we live in an era where we can all do this, right? Oh, sure. You guys can be just like, I'm yeah. gonna make a comic and you know, go on with that. So, and the web, you said you, uh, the web comic and you did web design? Yeah. So you're gonna design kind of a whole site for it? Oh yeah, like that's that's actually becoming the easy part now. Is <laughs> before I, it used to be quite difficult. People Speak would have for to yourself there, buddy. <laughs> is the resources available for people to start publishing their own stuff has become so much more accessible to so oh, many okay. more people. So like traditional comics, I follow on and off. Um, but webcomics especially have kind of exploded. There's just everyone out they there have, kind of has yeah, plans yeah. and ideas, and the genres that you can get things in have diversified so much, and that's kind of why I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, so having the opportunity to make our own webcomic, one is, it's... Great. <laughs> yeah, it's great, but it's also, it's about as easy as it's been, yeah. right, to kind of yeah. get your stuff out there and be able to promote it, have people notice you, and also get in things like the anthology. Which... Well, there's so many tools to play with. You could do this webcomic for a year, collect all those webcomics, and then print them out. Yeah. Make yep, a book, sure. you know? Go to Studio, or go to Kraken, or go to Gorilla, go to wherever. Just be like, put this in <laughs> yeah. paper. Like, it's amazing that so many things. When I started this podcast, I could barely use Facebook, mm. right? Like, I didn't know computers at all, right? And in the seven years I've been doing it, I've had to learn how to make a website. I've had to learn how to use, you know, paint, you know, and illustration programs. And now I can do all, so many sleepless nights on YouTube. I can't even tell you. Just try, yeah, just try to learn how to make your banner not show up stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the pixels are right, though. I don't get it, you know? All that kind of crazy stuff. Are you... How smooth has the process become on the fifth volume? Is there still hiccups? Is there still stuff that comes There's up? Or hiccups. Um, like, what new would come up this year, like, on this one? What's new that you... A new challenge you didn't have to face on the old ones? Uh, something I can't talk about yet. Uh, Ooh, is, uh, right on. Um, it's almost always human issues. Uh, because, I don't see that in a negative way, because like people are people. People have needs and complexities. Sure. And you have to be flexible. You have to be able to help people out. Like, one thing I often say with these projects is that I'm not paying people enough for them to have a bad time. If they're not 
if they're not enjoying working on the book, right. uh, the money's not good enough to force them to. It's incredible, by the way, yet again, after five years, that they are getting paid to do this. <laughs> yeah. Is a phenomenal... I'm not saying, like, they don't deserve it. Of course they do. But for you to have, you know, built this whole system yeah. where they can get paid is well, incredible. the generosity of Toronto is the only reason we can do it. The fact that we have this, this audience is giving us... That's supporting us on Kickstarter at right. TorontoComicsAnthology.com. Where are we right at? Now. Where are we at? Can we do a live check? Do a live check. I think I can bring up my phone oh, here. Can give, you, me a, okay. give me a second. Right now it's what? It's Sunday afternoon. It's like one or something in the afternoon yeah, around there. Uh, and we'll, we'll get a live check on how we're doing. Because uh, is it on par with past years? Uh, yeah, we're actually a little bit ahead. Nice. As of 1.05 p.m., we are at $4,875 out of 15000 That's pretty good. So that's a, Almost a third, third of the way, of the way there. there. Yeah, there I mean, go. it's been, what, and it's three, been, what three, three days? days? Three. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, every year it gets bigger and better, actually, though. the thing that I'm excited about, and we're going to see if this actually is effective or not, um, I spent a lot of money this year on advertising, specifically uh, on the TDC. So if you're writing this That's right. Cards, so this is kind of a new challenge yeah. you, that you brought on yourself. This is yeah, something that came up. So. Well, for any other book, I think this would be a, it's an incredibly stupid idea because you couldn't advertise another anthology like this. But the Toronto Comics Anthology, because our audience oh, is right yeah. here. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, we've bought uh, 15 little uh, insets. Um, you know, it's like a, up in the, the top side of streetcars and subways. Yeah. Yeah, so that's if you keep an great. eye for them, you'll that's see like awesome. Austin's gold out there. Yeah, yeah. And so that's been a, <laughs> a new journey, trying that. to get more publicity, getting more marketing. Yeah. And that's something that like, now that I step back from doing the, the day-to-day stuff with the editorial work, I'm trying to focus more on promoting it and pushing the creators, uh, getting our name out there. Uh, making the best possible press package we can. Right. And like having a pre-existing press package to work from has been a huge help. It's like a template that you yeah. can just rebuild on for the next year, right? Yeah. And plus every year you've got another volume under your belt. But yeah. you, by the time you get to year five, CBC's like, oh wait, yeah, you know, yeah. look at us. We're getting a little more nice. credibility yeah, each time. Yeah, yeah, that's super great though, man. Love it. And uh, I'll thank you again for doing this because you know you could be out there just making your own comics. We talk about oh, this every time, actually. If know? I wanted to make my own comics, I don't think they would be successful. Maybe not, not with, as not successful. The to back me up. Yeah, and it's a I've got this thing. credibility now because we made these books. Right. And I established that, like, here's how you do this. I know the promotion process. Right. Now I have, like, a teensy bit of a personal audience that I could wield against something. Right. That I could, like, put towards another project, which I will uh, right. once my book with John Berg uh, comes out. Well, that's great, though, because a lot of people, they have to take that from the beginning, you know? they don't, You were smart. You built something that they then build on top of again, well, I right? didn't think I knew so. how to do it. Right. Like when we started out with the first book, like, uh, did you ever see a first printing of our anthology? I don't think so. Oh man, it's awful. Really? Oh yeah, like volume one, uh, we printed through CreateSpace. Uh, it was like a different size, like five and a half by eight and a half for no what? reason. It was just like a, it was, it had like dot matrix I didn't printing. know that existed. Uh, the margins were terrible. It was a bad book. Nice. And we only printed a hundred <laughs> copies of them and then like they're, they're somewhere out there in the world. But like we've come so far. Right. Like, every book we've learned from. And like whenever I open the book and flip through it, all I see are the mistakes. All I see are the bits. <laughs> well, like that's any good that's, creator yeah. though, right? But not even yeah. in a negative way. Mistakes are places where you can learn from it. Right. And so I make notes. Mm. And so every time we finish a project, I sit down with the editors. And I'm like, well, what did we do wrong? What was right? What could we do better next year? Right. And the same way I send out an anonymous survey to the creators. I'm mean, like, hey, how was your working experience with the editor? How was your, how did you feel about the deadlines? How did you find the book was it right. positive was it yeah. negative what could be better Wait. and that like you got to focus on getting data about your whole process sorry right. this is a little too boring no 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 it's, it's how how you get better you have to look at things 
uh, objectively. Of course, you have to analyze what you've done in order to not make yeah. those same mistakes in the future. Have Without naming names or getting too into it, have you experienced anyone who has walked away and not had a pleasant experience? Because I personally, of all, I, yeah. I know I haven't talked to every creator who's been involved. Well, of course there's a few folks. But yeah, there have been a few folks oh, yeah. who just, you know, it's bad taste. Kind we of do thing. the best we can. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's inevitable. It won't, with this book, we have 53 people on the book. That many. Uh, yes. And we've had a couple folks walk away from it. Right, right. So, well, every book has at least one story that drops that doesn't oh, make it yes. all the way to the whole Really? Process. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, See, that, I wouldn't have guessed that because you picked from so many. Yeah. And so many don't get the cut even to well, have one who made the cut have the, the incredible audacity to walk away from it. Come on. Yes, we always commission one more story than necessary on the assumption that one will drop. Right. And just a question of also like human factors. That like sure. sometimes people uh, have a bad breakup and can't get things in on time. Right, Or right. they just don't get along with the editor. Right. Um, and we do our best to make things as positive as possible. But realistically, you just can't be perfect for everyone. No, of course not. And I don't want to yeah. make it seem like you have to be. Because I also don't want to give this impression I think when you look at an anthology like uh, some Hope Nicholson's work, uh, some of the things that Spike Trotman has done, you see these amazing, beautiful, perfect works, and you forget that there was imperfection and like awkwardness and like emotion that went into building them. Yeah, and that yeah. there's, it's important that when you do a project, you don't pretend that it was all perfect, that everything went smoothly, and everyone was happy, and we were right. all dancing in circles. There was a lot of like struggle that went into that book. There's, and you know, so yeah, there's a lot of companies out there who will try to keep up that facade, you know, and it's like the it's the action behind the words. And the one thing people know about Toronto Comics Anthology is you guys stick to your word. It comes out when you say it's going to come out. Things get done, you know, because I see it online, because I'm privileged to be in the groups and see you being like, we need this now, you guys, this is due then, this is due whenever. Was that good for you guys, being put on like a structure where you oh, guys yeah. had, de had you ever dealt with those kind of deadlines before? Uh, well, mostly self-imposed deadlines, but... Um, That's a whole different yeah. story, yeah, though. Deadlines yeah. are helpful or else, otherwise you're sitting there just trying to perfect your panels and everything, and you just keep going and going and going without... Like actually stopping. Like right. You need to cut yourself off at a point being like, this is good and it's never going to be perfect. So you have to just kind of accept it at a point that like, yeah, this is how I want it to look and move on. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll re reboot that comic in 20 years, but for now you got to move on to the next one, right? Yeah. Perfect is the enemy of the good. It's right. True. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, the book can be found in so many places now. It's it ridiculous. And that's the good thing about making a book like that. We're going to give a little shout out. Um, to a friend that uh, I believe I have introduced you to Mr. J.P. Fosgit at this point, no? At his show? Bodhi I Troll? I actually don't know. This guy does all the cartooning, all those cartoony pictures of me and uh, does like all the Muppets. He did the My Little Pony comics and stuff. I think, I don't maybe not. Maybe. I, don't I have know. to introduce you to J.P. <laughs> Fosgit. We'll be, we'll be at the March Comic Con. Uh, oh yeah, and he will be there. Um, his book... A uh, 200-page graphic novel just released this week, uh, Bodhi Troll, which is his creator-owned piece. Uh, it's about a fuzzy little troll, cute, adorable little troll, who wants to be the biggest ferocious troll in, no. in Hagedorn, <laughs> right? And uh, he did six issues years ago. They came out from Red 5 Comics, uh, and they did you know well enough. And then last year, Boom decided to pick it up. Oh, nice. And commissioned six more stories, but have released all 12 as one big book. Mm. Some beautiful pinups at the back. So that was just released this week. 
And uh, congratulations, Jay. It's beautiful. Over 50 of his personal friends appear as Easter eggs. Like my entire family, my kids and my <laughs> wife awesome. are all in the story. Oh, that's, in that's the wild. Story. That's cute. Yeah. Um, but the same thing with what Boom's doing with this book is it's a book. You don't have to go to the comic shop, although you can and you should. And that's yeah. where I got mine. But it's going to be available on Amazon and all the stores. And because yeah. it's... It's not a straight-up comic book, and uh, luckily these stores are opening up to this more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, did you approach them initially, or? Um, well, how we got the deal with chapters was uh, we were doing consignment sales through their Young and Eglinton Indigo location. There, uh, basically, the way it works is every Indigo location has three consignment slots. Uh, where you can register and be like, hey, I'm a local author, I would like you to sell my book. And if they think your book is decent, they'll put it on shelves. And if it sells, they'll give you a cut of that money. Uh, but there's only three slots, so you have to kick someone out to get that slot. Oh. Uh, and they also, they don't like people taking it for more than a month or two. Who'd you kick out? I have no idea. Oh, uh, you didn't look? No, I, I, they didn't you tell didn't me. You want to feel too bad about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we put our books there. Um, we put it on only our own young at heart at first, because you only had one slot for us. Right. Uh, and then they came back that hey, we want to put the other two, your other two books in there and those other two slots. Uh, and then we just sold so many books that eventually their corporate head headquarters called us and said, hey, uh, the Toronto Comics line is the best-selling um, consignment tale, title we have in Ontario. That's amazing. Oh, that's yeah, uh, that's incredible. And then just do that one location. And since then, we've just gone, gone to a full-time vendor contract with them. I'm actually dropping off another box of books. Countrywide. No, just Ontario-wide. Just Ontario like, we, so far, okay. We have, like, they could put us across Canada, uh, but they believe our market's only Ontario, and they're not wrong. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Montreal probably wants their own Montreal oh, yeah. anthology. I think we've talked about in the past maybe the idea of doing, like, a Vancouver comics anthology. Well, they got Cloudscape, though. What is that? Uh, I don't know that. The Vancouver has the Cloudscape Collective. Um, they do books like uh, Bones of the Coast, uh, Swan Song. They do these really beautiful uh, color anthologies. Really? Uh, okay. And their whole deal is they're government funded. They're a non-profit. Oh. So for every anthology they, they do, they'll like, write out an arts grant for it. And they'll get about a, a 10 grand fund for it, which will help cover the printing and paying the artists and so on. Right. And they also do a Kickstarter to make sure the artists get better paid for it. Right. Um, but actually, some of my model is like stolen from theirs. Okay, sure, uh, yeah. Because like, I've chatted like there's some good folks there. I think it's uh, Bevan Evans. I think is a dude who ran um, Bones of the Coast. Okay. I got some advice on printing from him. I met them at VanCap a couple years ago. Uh, and like that's one of the things. If you're in the industry, you should be paying attention to what everyone else is doing in the industry. Figure out what your competition is doing Absolutely. and how you can borrow from their success but make it your own. Absolutely. Um, I think it'd be fun though. You guys yeah. had that brand spun around, you know. Yeah, but you've got enough on your plate, man. Well, we don't want to start coming up with like crazier, a, more ideas. A Maple Stars book, just like a, a sci-fi Canadian book. I like the sci-fi, <laughs> man. I do like the sci-fi. There's so much good sci-fi that's going on here yeah. too, you know. It's starting to build up. Um, have you guys read Neon Black? No, not yet. God, you haven't read it no. yet. Ah. Oh, oh. I mostly read manga. Uh, Kevin Briones and yeah. Paul Lemienko. Yeah. Uh, my favorite book of that year, I've year before last year. Part two's out now. Issue what? two's out now. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's amazing. That was the buzz book of last year, uh, or, or 2016. Um, this is just self-proclaimed buzz books, but <laughs> but often people are agreeing. So I think I'm going to pick one every year because I think last year's was obviously Tommy Gun Banshee. Oh yeah, yeah. Which uh, I'm looking forward to. With Todd Sullivan and, uh, and Malcolm Derricks, yeah. yeah. 
Um, incredible. Is, is he still going? Is he still doing with the? Is it Mikey something, or is it just Mikey at this point? I think it's point? Mikey right now. Or is he just a question mark now? <laughs> I think it might literally just be. I think it's he's just a symbol. Mikey. He's pulled the he's symbol. He's like Madonna. Thing. He's, he's just, just the question. Prince. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Formerly known as. Right on. Uh, anything else you want to get in there? Uh, anything else? Uh, you should definitely We've support us at TorontoComicsAnthology.com. Well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the Kickstarter is only a couple days in. Yes. It gets finished in 30 days. Yeah, uh, March 30th is the last day. Um, and uh, well, the process after that, so people know, will it be available at Toronto Comic Con? It will. That's so fast. Oh, no, sorry, not the not the March Comic Con? I'm talking the March uh, Comic Con. It'll be available at the May Comic Con. Oh, wait, because uh, the Kickstarter, of course it won't be yeah. available yeah. while the Kickstarter's still on, Jay. <laughs> Dumb Although we'll be bastard. in there, we'll have a booth there. Uh, we'll also be... That'll be our first convention for Wayward Sisters, actually. Will be Toronto Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to go wonderful. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's going to do well. The buzz for that book's been huge, yeah, too. Yeah, the has been know? amazing. Is I'm it really uh, on the shelves yet? Is it? Not yet. Okay. Uh, March 7th is the launch. Yeah. Uh, we're doing. Uh, we're renting out the supermarket. Uh, oh, that's Kensington. right. That's right. Yeah. I think I got an invite for that from Allison, oh, actually. Up, yeah, yeah, I should. Because I, I just saw her at Action. Oh, out yeah, in no, Windsor, Windsor, the Comic Book Syndicate show. Yeah. Um, and I picked up just one of the little ash cans, just yeah, like the yeah. preview things and the, the pin. Yeah, those pins through um, pin. Studio Comics, through Alfonso. Oh, yeah, Alfonso. Everyone's. And he was there. We had a great time, too. Uh, Alfonso is quickly becoming every self publisher's favorite publisher, you know. I know Shay's going to him pretty much yeah. exclusively now, but he's uh, doing do, good do you work. Do know Alfonso? No, I haven't met him. Alfonso Espinos is the head of Studio Comics out of Cambridge. Uh, they have a bunch of books. He does Night Spike, uh, Vinny and Bud. They've got a bunch of books that they do. Um, but he's also opened a store in Cambridge, Studio Comics Central. And it's a printing shop and a comic shop. So oh, that sounds amazing. The front is only... Canadian comics, only independent nice. Canadian comics. That's it. You can't get any big two. You can't yeah. get any American. He's only the indie community. And then the back half of the store is a print shop where he'll print you up as much or as little as you need. And yeah. he's doing an amazing job. Yeah, his prices are pretty reasonable for yeah. like a small yeah. run. Yeah, yeah. Like for Windsor, uh, we only printed I think fifty of those books. Okay, yeah. They're decent enough. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So generally, if you do like a, a short run of books, you're just paying through the nose for it. It's not right. practical. Yeah, right. Like um, the Toronto Comics books. Uh, we couldn't do it at all if we weren't printing them in units of like 2,000 at this point. Wow, that's crazy. And we'll sell them. Well, what's, the, what's the total? How many units sold of Young at Heart at this uh, moment? Young at Heart is 1,400, uh, which is crazy for a one-year-old book. 1,400? Yeah. I want to guess more. Well, I'm not saying that's a bad yeah. number. Uh, it's actually but... is our best-selling Toronto Comics book yet. Okay. Um, the first anthology, like, you know, volume one, Yeah. Uh, I think it's about... It's like 1,300, 1,400. It's kind of in the same okay, range. Right. Uh, Lifetime, since we started in 2014, uh, we've sold about 7,500 books. Okay, nice. Which is pretty good for a time. Yeah, that's, that's more the number I was kind of expecting, but it makes sense overall, yeah. broad thing, too. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure that with Osgood's Gold, we'll sell a whole pile of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've also, yeah. We're working on another really cool anthology I can't talk about yet, uh, but it's got some really exciting people on board it that I have no idea why they're even talking to me because they're way too cool for me. But at the same time, like it's fantastic that we have enough credibility you that we can reach outside our pool now. No, you guys are hilarious. I think it's adorable. <laughs> it's because, like you know, I was saying, clicks within clicks. We all have friend groups where we know each other and people work together most and stuff. Just you know, people attract people, whatever. And you guys, kind of the, the at least who I met as, as as the founders of you know this whole little situation with the anthology and way were basically you and Allison and Aaron. And I mean this in a very positive way. 
okay? I mean this with all the love in the world. But you guys are kind of like the nerds of the nerds. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Fantastic. You guys are the guys that are, like, so nerded out about this shit. Your entire lives are dedicated to making these things and these anthologies. You only want to get it done. Well, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Other guys can't even, you know, it takes them a year to get their one, like, 12-issue book out. You, you guys are bringing 50 people together and editing all these stories, and you guys live and breathe this shit. And yeah. Allison, how much does Allison edit? Like, oh, she edits, she writes, she's at these yeah. ladies' nights that happen yeah. here. She's constantly out and I about think she's in the She's going to be a huge name yeah. in a few years. Oh, I, yeah, definitely getting there, you know, as far as, you know. We'll see what happens. There's gonna be a lot of interesting things yeah. come up in the future. Exciting year. Lots of, you know, every year has its ups and downs. I'm interested to see what happens with certain companies compared to other companies. Yep. Uh, but that's the fun of doing this podcast is I don't have to get too involved. I just got to talk shit with you all. <laughs> so it's great. Observe from the sidelines. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Julian Apong, tell the people where they can find you online. Uh, mainly on Twitter, Japongnet. Uh, I. Spell it's there. a. J-A-P-O-N-G-N-E-T, all one word. Right. Uh, and that is mainly just retweets of art and indie games and stuff like that. Just things that I like. Yeah, no, that's Try awesome. to keep it positive. Very cool. Andrea Scott? Uh, you can find me at Andrea Scott Art um, on Instagram and Twitter. Excellent. And you've got a .com as well, right? Yes, andreascott.net. Oh, there we go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> AndreaScott.net. And of course, Toronto Comics with an X.com. Uh, which or is things different? Oh, is that new? No, no we, ha- what we happened? have both. Uh, we have two comics, but right. X. Okay. Um, but it's harder to say, like verbally. And so we got the full, like, spelt out with them, like, TorontoComicsAnthology.com. But you can say that, it rolls off the tongue in radio interviews. Yeah. I think we'll just find that, that redirects. To our actual short <laughs> Well, rather than going there as well, uh, people want to go to the Kickstarter, of course. Yeah. And uh, it's just Toronto Comics Anthology. Uh, you Osgood can search for Osgood, as, as good as gold, and you'll find there. Gold. Nice. Who named that one? Who? Because I saw that you. Were, that was you. <laughs> we had so you asked names. all these people. You get <laughs> dozens and dozens of, of suggestions, and of course, you went with your own. That's well, a true writer. Amazing. True writer. Yeah. Like we had the Spadina monologues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a perfect, beautiful name that we could never use. Oh, yeah. that needs to be done. That needs to be used. I put in views from the strips, and I don't think anyone actually got that one, so I gave up on it. <laughs> we had uh, My Neighbor Toronto, which is also really popular. Oh, that'd be great. Mm. That's fun. Yeah. Good times. And you're also, you're at Cardboard Shark on the Twitter. I am, yes. Uh, is it the same on all the other sites? Uh, I have CardboardShark.com. I don't post anything there. Okay. Um, but yeah, once I actually have my own book. My Are you own- on Instagram? Uh, only as anthology. Oh, so yes, because I know the anthology's there. Yeah, yeah but you See, don't have I'm a actually, personal I, one. Right? I don't actually exist, uh, <laughs> separate from the comics. So, and I only say that half-jokingly. I, well, I've been here. You know I've been supporting the other half of you, too, because I can't help but feel bad. As much as I so appreciate what you do with the anthology, and as much hard work, and I want it to continue and go on, is you deserve your own moment as well. I want to make sure your own stuff gets out there so your own heart gets all juiced up with your own shit, you know? Well, no, I know a lot of these people, a lot of these interviews are with guys like you and guys like Travis McIntyre who run publishers or events and organizations. And I do see this over and over again, uh, that they don't ever get a chance to do these little dreams or ideas that they had in their head as well because they get so carried away with helping everybody else. But the dream is the Yeah. The the dream is the adult. Yeah, no, which which I get. And it's definitely, you know... (laughs) 
I gave up. Well, you, it was you, your own shit last year. And you're like, I need to step away. I'm so tired. It's yeah, killing yeah. me. I want to do some other stuff. And then it came time for volume five, and you were right back in there. Again. I was <laughs> I'm like, he's never going to stop yeah. doing this. I come from a long family line of addicts. <laughs> uh, work weekly the past couple generations that before stuff. that it, focus it, it, that <laughs> stuff Stephen it is always such a pleasure to get together and do this every year um, uh, you always bring me such wonderful people to have great conversations with Andrea Julian thank you so much guys for thanks for having us no problem it was great well it's great I like doing it with, uh, you, you always get to arrange a meet up too you know Skype is fine I talk to most people on Skype but any chance I have to get down here to the Sidekick Comic Cafe on Queen Street in beautiful Leslieville. You guys need to come down here. Every time I come, it's getting fuller and fuller, too. They got some new shelving and, like, like four times the books than the last time I was here. Do you not notice? Yeah, well, you yeah, probably yeah. You come here fairly rarely, like, regularly. Uh, every couple no? months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't been here probably since, like, the last social. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a long, time, a long ago. time. It's good to see you. All right, kids, uh, there you go. That's uh, Andrea Scott, Julian Apong, and Stephen Andrews, Toronto Comics Anthology. And sorry, what was the name of your story in particular again? Uh, Bandit Bonanza. <laughs> I think it's Bargain Basement Bandit Bonanza. It's yeah. very long. And Bargain it's Basement Bandit Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I, yeah. I can't wait to read this, guys. Guys, thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's so greatly appreciated. That is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon, kids. Take it easy.